Welcome to This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Now is your chance to get caught up in all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. Now here's your host, Gene Destro. This week, a follow-up to our conversation from a few months ago about quantum computers and how they're going to make all of our current computers obsolete in the not-too-distant future. For those of you not really familiar with quantum physics, and really very few of us are, the main thing to know about this coming new revolution in computer technology is that quantum computers are much faster and more powerful than even the fastest supercomputers we have today. And of course, that's a very big deal because everything we depend on, from national security to our personal bank accounts, power grids, and even cat memes we send each other on social media, depend on our ability to protect and defend our computer networks, devices, and data. So this month, the National Science Foundation approved a number of very big grants for universities in Ohio, including $500,000 for Kent State University to develop quantum computing cyber infrastructure. But what does that mean exactly? We talked to the chair of Kent State's Department of Physics, Dr. Michael Strickland. Yeah, so cyber infrastructure is a general term for sort of computational infrastructure. And um, in um, so that can include normal computing, like supercomputing facilities, like there's one in, in Ohio called the Ohio Supercomputer Center. But there's various supercomputers around the country that are funded by the U.S. government to support scientific research. But this also includes networking. So having the computers to compute and also having them to talk one, to one another, that's cyber. And he says quantum computers, while not fully developed yet, do actually exist already. Quantum computing is moving out of the theoretical realm and into the into the practical realm. Many of the you know big computer companies are now investing lots of money in this. Google's building their own quantum computer. IBM is building their own. There's already a, fun, a, a Canadian company called D-Wave that builds a, a different kind of quantum computing called a quantum annealing device. And across Europe and also in China, many people are working on you know actual devices now. Um, now, the fundamental measure physically of these devices is, is something called a qubit. And to have one that will be a, a normal computer, you have to have a certain number of qubits functioning. And I don't know the number off the top of my head, but you know the, the ones that are functioning now have like tens of qubits. And this is enough to where it can be a practical device that can, can start to even beat normal computers based on just electron flow in, in CPUs. But the, the goal is to get ones with you know, extremely large numbers of qubits um, that work together. And, and in, in that case, you know, th th these will just completely outperform all normal computers on the planet. Um, and this is, a, is fundamentally in some sense also a national security issue besides accelerating the development of science or even culture, artificial intelligence, things like this, drug discovery, all, all of these possible applications. One of the, the fundamental things that people proved early on that you could do with a quantum computer that you can do better um, than with a, a traditional computer is factoring very large prime numbers. And 
if you know anything about internet security, there's something called SSH, <laughs> and it, it builds on something called public key encryption. And in public key encryption, there's a, a very large prime number hiding there. But if you know how to generate this prime number in the first place faster than other algorithms, then you can start breaking encryption schemes. So um, there's a race going on between China, people in Europe, Russia to a much lesser extent, and, and the U.S. to develop these quantum computers. But the thing that I think that most people are sort of counting on is being there's going to be some sort of fundamental paradigm shift that from a technology that we can possibly not um, anticipate right now. So there are people in Europe building sort of solid state quantum computer devices that could have millions of qubits built into them automatically. And, and if, if some one of these types of technologies, you know, pans out, you know, that, that could change the game overnight. But, you know, it's hard to guess when one of these schemes will succeed. But at the fundamental level of our understanding of quantum mechanics and the correlations and, and things like this, it's well understood. There's some engineering challenges in how you read out the signal from the quantum computer, how you correct for errors that may occur in the device while it's doing its computation. But these, I think there's physicists involved in solving these problems, but they're really engineering problems. So we asked, how will you be using that National Science Foundation grant? The proposal that we submitted was specifically for what's called cyber training. And the, I, there's a little bit of infrastructure being developed here, but it's mostly at the software layer to try to interface with existing hardware quantum computers. For example, there's one quantum computer at IBM, which is called IBM Q. You can get time on it right now if you want, um, but you, you have to know how to, to write the codes. And a lot of this for students, there's a large sort of barrier to entry in understanding, you know, how to write basic algorithms, because it's not like your traditional programming with Python or something where there's a loop and you just write a loop and you say variables. It's an almost completely different kind of programming model. So what we're doing is, is twofold. We're trying to develop tools that will make it easier for students and people who are building applications to write code that will run on existing hardware and train students on how to use it in application-specific ways. So that could include, in my case, I'm the physics guy, so we have some physics problems that we want to solve. And so we'll build a training module around that, which will come with software tools with, where the students can go in and more easily construct codes that solve the problem. But of course, they'll have to use the tools they have on hand today. We'll be using traditional computers. We're going to be developing sort of websites and things like this where they can easily launch codes and, and stuff like that, or even, you know, simple things like PowerPoint presentations about how, how do you go about building a basic quantum computing code and, and things like that. We also talked to Assistant Professor of Computer Science, Jian Guan. We probably no longer needs the, some knowledge about traditional programming, like what we have been teaching the students for the past 20 years. And this kind of new kind of a paradigm and the new kind of concept should probably be delivered to the STEM students so that in near future, so you probably don't really write the program, the codes in a classic, very traditional way. And this is a new way that you do programming. So to bridge such kind of gap, 
we definitely need a, such kind of a training program, right? So to connect these different students from different STEM domains, say, hey, so now you have to learn to programming this kind of uh, hardware infrastructure instead of the previous type, right? So we have been training the students for, for many years. Department of Energy released multiple documentations talking about the American needs, the new kind of training program for the workforce in this quantum computing domain. And that currently, we don't really have such kind of a support, right? For example, like uh, no degrees, bachelor degrees, uh, or such kind of degree level program that we are supporting to train the next generation developers for the new uh, infrastructure. But we are we're kind of trying to make it happen through this short-term training program, and then probably extend it to the other like uh, long-term, like a degree level, four years plan or something like that. That was Kent State University Assistant Professor of Computer Science, Xian Guan, and KSU Physics Department Chair, Dr. Michael Strickland. Many thanks to them for explaining a very complicated but extremely relevant topic. We'll look forward to hearing more from them as their project unfolds. That's it for now. Stay happy and healthy, and we'll see you again next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Tune in next week for more tech news on 93.5-1590-WAKR and WAKR.net.